fiber. Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. Sorry to interrupt your ceremony. It's nothing personal. I just want to devour your god. This is like some gravity free. M-O-L-M-M. What? No, that's true. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. That is made for undiscerning days. I'll just auto-tune that, put a little guitar solo at the end. Perfect. All right. Six hours later. Y'all don't got diggly pain. You don't got diggly pain. Nope. No. Uh, uh, <laughs> the show that's stuck in its own. <laughs> what can I talk? Welcome to Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show. <laughs> you're you're doing it. You're looping. You're looping the intro. <laughs> its own loop of weird, stilted intros that aren't so much funny as much as they are just kind of weird uh, and forced, which is. I guess also a pretty good description of me. But anyway, for some reason, I can't stop doing them. Uh, I'm here, as always, with my big brother and co-host, the Juliana to my cult, the Strelak to my verso, the seven dead visionaries along the way to my brilliant Raketo plan. Jason Helms, come on down. I've never had a better introduction. That's pretty good. Uh, that, that's, I like that. I like that. I got the uh, the Strelak verso that today. Was nice. The Strelak to my verso was, was really good. sweet. Yeah. Did you get that gun? Is that the one that you go in um, the, the complex... And you have to like use mm-hmm. all the batteries to get the roundabouts. Yes, I did not get it. That took so long to get. I did not. Now, did you combine it into a single gun, or is it two guns? Yeah, it's two. It's both. Well, Ugh. oh, so you can go back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instantly. I thought it was a one-time yeah, choice. It's pistols, oh, and then tough. no, no, you just press the right on the D-pad, and it just it oh. instantly switches it. It's real nice. So it's worth getting. Yeah, I gotta check that out. I think it's all real right. nice. Check it out. I, I, as soon as I saw it during the um, the campaign, I was like, no, this is too much effort. Yes. I just want to go yes. kill visionaries. Thank yep. you. That's where I was at. And now I'm going back and actually doing those things. And now I, I, I think I want to do that. Uh, which tells yeah, you what yeah. we think about today's game, which is Deathloop. This is Deathloop. The 2021 masterpiece? Probably too strong. Let's hold up. Great, really fun Let's game. Deathloop. Yeah. Let's not yeah. call it a masterpiece yeah. because then people will come for us and be like, here are some issues with it. And you're not actually, wrong. But I like this game and it's fun. I watched the girlfriend reviews video, and they specifically said it wasn't a masterpiece. So, so technically, if you do want to um, know exactly what I think about it, just watch that, and that's probably maybe a slightly more critical version of what I thought about the game, but a much funnier version than what you're about to hear the next hour, hour and a half, three hours. I still haven't watched that, and I so need to. Great. It's it's a quick one. It's like a seven minute episode. I'll check it out. Uh, so yeah, we're talking about Deathloop today, and you may notice that we're just a duo. Uh, we're missing Corey. We're missing any external uh, guests. Circumstances beyond our control arose. And so uh, we weren't all able to play um, Little Nightmares 2 in time. And uh, this week we were like, okay, well, maybe we could just cram through it. Maybe like one of you could play like just a few hours. We could all like talk about it. We, we could schedule this one quick. And then it was just like, wait, wait, wait. Ben and I have been playing Deathloop. Let's just push it back a month. Hang out. Yeah. Ben and I just like all we do is talk about Deathloop. Let's just record us doing that anyway yeah. and uh, yeah. and gift it to you the listener <laughs> exactly but like a little bit more organized and structured than what we normally talk about a little bit we'll see barely yeah more of an overview i think we usually have a lot of organization but go on so in our just everyday mm-hmm. texts and mm-hmm. conversations about death loop yeah. then four points item one jason <laughs> sub point to b uh so yes Corey will be back with us next month uh we'll try to get it out a little before halloween so it'll be, rather, it'll be our november episode but it'll be Spooky. hopefully out probably like the 31st at 11 59 p.m but realistically hopefully like the week before we'll so see plan your halloween uh, night accordingly Exactly. You you can't play Halloween games in November. You can't even think about Halloween in November. That's how it works. 
Uh, and then we'll be playing Psychonauts 2 will be our December game. So get psyched. Get psyched for that, man. For Psychonauts. Get psyched, man. Too. Get psyched, man. Oh, I get it. I didn't do that. I get it, though. I get it. All right. So we're going to talk about some development. And then we're going to talk about uh, probably the majority of this is going to be about the gameplay and just like random little puzzles I wasn't able to figure out or whatever. Uh, we'll play some What's the Drink? What's the Song? We'll talk about what else we've been playing in our wonderful recommendation station. I almost said imagination station. Oh, Whitaker. Oh, Whitaker. <laughs> oh, Whit. And then we'll talk about our, our next game, which you already know. We'll have our developer spotlight yeah. and we'll get you out of here. Uh, hey, Ben, you might want to cut this in earlier, but you make the call. I love it. Let's do this. I got a sense that Deathloop is kind of the hot shit. Cluck, cluck. Mm. Right now. Mm-hmm. People like it. Really? Um, so we might get a few new listeners here. And I want to be clear about something. We're going to spoil the heck. Don't even have to put a cluck in there. Nice. Out of this game. Nope. Um, but not yet. Don't worry. There will be a spoiler alert. We're going to go through all kinds of stuff. We're going to have our fun conversations. We're going to go through development stuff. And we'll even give you a little bit of gameplay before we spoil. But when we spoil, this will be the deep dive. Ben and I have freed up the rest of our evenings. We've just said, if this is a four-hour episode, that's the way it goes. That's fine. I don't care. I don't care. And so uh, enjoy. If you just finished Deathloop, sit down, relax, crack open your favorite can of scotch. They come in cans. I wish. That's the dream, right? That is the dream. Then you can go backpacking with them. Why don't they come in cans? Why don't they come in cans? Man. Uh, So yeah, so if if you haven't played Deathloop, Hang out, enjoy yourself for the next, you know, 20 minutes or so. We'll we'll uh, walk you through why you should probably check this out. Or maybe this isn't the game for you, and that's okay. But hopefully you'll know before we get to the spoilers. And then you'll go play it. Uh, it's not an incredibly long game, as AAA games go. Um, and then once you have, and you've explored all of the secrets of Black Rock Island? Black Rock Reef. Black Rock Reef. Yeah, Reef. There you go. Black Reef Island? No, now I'm confused. No, anyway, Black Rock. Black Rock, Black Rock Reef. Reef. Okay, good. Uh, you can come back. And we will talk about all of our thoughts, all the different things we enjoyed, uh, all the things we didn't, everything about it. We'll just dig in because the other day I Googled Deathloop spoiler podcast. And guess what? There weren't any. Really? Let's do this. Let's spoil this game. All right. Um, Spoiler for the name of Black Rock Reef. It's just Black Reef. You were you were right. If somewhere in there right. you were right. Well, yeah, I yeah, said yeah. like sixteen things. You should. So yeah, you were wrong and right, but you were definitely right. Could you go put clucks over the times I said it wrong? Perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you. And the time I agreed with you when you were wrong. Exactly. Sweet. All right. So let's get into. Uh, you, let's start with development. Uh, yeah. There's not like this historic like back in 1979 when Ron Gilbert was a junior in high school. He had a dream. But. So you think, Ben, oh. and yet I'm in charge of development, which Thousands means of years we're ago. performing archaeology. Let's do this. Dive For deep. as long as humankind has been on this planet. Wow. No, no, wow. I'm not going to do that. Okay. All right. Uh, Deathloop was developed by Arcane Studios, which is a, uh, a French development company in Lyon, France. And uh, Arcane has done some, some games you may have heard of. Uh, Dishonored. Dishonored 2. Oh. Uh, Dishonored 2, Death of the Outsider, the DLC for Dishonored 2. Uh, but they've also done Prey and Prey Moon Crash, some other games we'll be talking about in this development history. Um, cool game studio, does some fun stuff. Bioshock 2. Well, yeah, kind of. Okay. So sorry. now let's get into the full history. All right, let's do it. To really understand. First of all, to understand what happened to Killer, 
You gotta understand who Killer the Dog was. So we're gonna talk about the immersive sim. Hey, Ben, tell me, what do you know about the immersive sim as a genre? So would that be like The Sims, except rather than controlling the whole world, you just control one? I don't know is my answer. You don't know is my answer as well. Sweet. So the immersive sim defined by Wikipedia as uh, the defining trait of the immersive sim is the use of simulated systems. There's the sim part that respond to a variety of player actions, which combined with a comparatively broad array of player abilities allow the game to support varied and creative solutions to problems, as well as emergent gameplay beyond what has been explicitly designed by the developer. Now, that's a lot of words to say. Typically, these are first-person shooter-type games, right? Yeah. You got a gun in one hand, you got a magic hand in the other hand, and your magic hand does weird stuff. What do I mean by weird stuff? Well, Bioshock Infinite lets you summon a flock of crows to tear apart your enemies, right? That's what I mean by weird stuff. That's pretty awesome. Things get wild. And so the cool thing about those magic powers and the emergent gameplay means sometimes bosses are really, really hard. And there's a way the developers thought of you battling those bosses. But sometimes you got a magic hand that allows you to connect two people. And whatever damage you do to one automatically happens to the other. So let's say that there's this complex puzzle where you could uh, you know, flood some kind of area to kill two enemies. Well, instead, you just use your magic hand, link the two of them, and shoot one in the head. Boom. Game over. That sounds familiar. It's fantastic. So the, the story of the Immersive Sim, it starts with Ultima 6 and Underworld Stygian Abyss, but then it really hits its heyday with System Shock, a game I would like us to play at some point for months. Yeah. I've wanted to play it for years. They just had a remaster come out a few years ago. And doing QA on it in localization in France was Raphael Colantonio, the creator of Arcane Studios. Hey! hey it goes all the way back that far. Nice. What year was now that? Now you follow this. That was 1995. Okay. Perhaps, perhaps. Let me uh, pull up my Wikipedia real quick. Ben, it was 1994. Dang, dude. I got close, though. I mean, that's like Rebel Assault 2 year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, They did a sequel, uh, System Shock 2. Uh, Some other companies jumped in there and did uh, Thief, which was a cool kind of stealthy game where you you rob medieval castles. Uh, But you can kind of set up traps and make all kinds of things go on. And then uh, Deus Ex, where instead of Magic Hand, it's Cyborg Hand. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then Bioshock, which you'll notice by the name, it's got that shock in the title, just like System Shock. Well, this was deliberately setting out to say this is a spiritual su- successor to System Shock. That was a deliberate kind of branding yeah. move. And I believe there was some DNA shared between the two. That led to uh, Bioshock 2 and Bioshock Infinite. By the way, Bioshock Infinite and Bioshock 2 led to Gone Home, a game that we have already played for this podcast and the entire Fulbright company, uh, including their sexual discrimination issues that are currently going on. We can talk about that separately. Jeez. Steve Gaynor seems to be a bit oh, of a dick. I know it's unfortunate. So uh, Bioshock infinite. Um, it's a game that gave people a lot of opinions. It was polarizing like politically or gameplay wise. Yeah. A little bit of both, honestly. And they were related and we can talk about those. Sure. Uh, but it's made by 2K Marin. Now, Ben, where do you know the name 2K Marin? I believe. Did Corey's stepfather used to work for 2K Marin? It's quite possible. Uh, I think so. But yeah, they make uh, 2K games, like uh, NBA 2K. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I remember because in Marinwood, in Novato, uh, near where their headquarters were, a, there was a secret court in like NBA 2K5 or whatever year it was. When I was, I don't even know, maybe earlier than that, but um, where you could actually, a secret court where you could play at the like Redwood High School court, which was awesome because yes. that was a court that I would play on all the time. 
Yes. And Bioshock or and 2K Marin based in a building that used to be for bonus points the headquarters of Farmers Insurance. Why would I know that? Because you lived in Nevada. 2K Marin? Where was that? It was it was off of uh, San Marin. I don't remember that at all. All right. Well, no, I'm, I may have made it up. I'm, we'll find out later. You're old. Who cares? Okay, cool. Anyway, uh, so then uh, 2K shut down 2K Marin. Unfortunate. Yeah. They wanted to focus on NBA games uh, that make money and don't make people concerned. Sure. And uh, the mantle was picked up, though, by Arcane with Dishonored and Dishonored 2. And that really took off, took over the kind of the, the Bioshock thread. Uh, they then came out with Prey in... 2017 and uh they also did a very cool so so prey is this this immersive sim takes place on a base up in space didn't mean to rhyme a space base space base um it's so bioshock my dude it is so bioshock wow, yeah it looks it just looks like stills from bioshock but like sci-fi rather than fantasy some of the it's it's the architecture some of the layouts like literally the the place where the the first bioshock guy attacks you with a crowbar like somebody attacks you right there and like i knew it was going to happen because i'm like it's the same level it looks like triple a like, tacoma remember tacoma yeah, yeah 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 yeah. uh also made by steve gainer um, thanks for that Jeez. everyone is everything wow so people are terrible the uh so prey uh seems like a cool game by the way the reason that i didn't get farther than about four hours into it is i got too scared because i get scared I get scared when I play video games. I was going to say, some of these look a little scary. Are you going to be okay to play Little Nightmares 2? No! It's scary, Ben! I don't want to play it because it's scary. They are scary. Oh, this one has, like, demons. Is that who you're praying to, or are you praying against them? Uh, P-R-E-Y. Uh, oh! Why? You're the prey. Who is, who is the hunter, and who is the prey, Mr. Bond? I get it. All right. I get it. So, then they did this cool DLC. So, if right? you when you do a telethon, but for this game, you'd pray without ceasing? Is that? Do you need like a mop? Because that was the sweatiest joke I have ever heard in my so life. Gross. Did you pull something? I heard Are you okay? My stomach. You don't hurts. want to jump into that without like puked a little first. bit. That's right. just a lot. Start your sentence so, again so I can cut that out. Easily. So they did a DLC called. <laughs> this, this looks terrifying. I can't, I can't stop laughing. I'm just looking at stills of this game. Prey is too scary for me. I've been very clear about that. Yeah. But then they did a DLC okay. for Prey called Moon Crash. In this. You play as, uh, I don't remember the details of the plot, but uh, it allows you to repeat, right? They made a roguelike out of Prey. Okay. And people who have played it and who got into it, basically, like, there was a small audience who absolutely loved Prey. And there was a group of those people who thought that Prey Moon Crash was maybe the greatest game ever made. And it's just a short, like, side quest version. Right. Okay. But it was, they had, like, put the dials to perfection. Yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, I yeah, could yeah. play this forever. Sure. This is it. This is the only game I need for the rest of my Dude, life. Dude, I'm, Yeah. I get it. Someday you like Deathloop. I like Deathloop. Someday we'll we'll walk down this path. Yeah. It'll be great. We'll we'll pray without ceasing. That would have been much better. There we go. There we go. That's what a roguelike version of Prey would be, right? To pray without ceasing. There you go. Nice. But again, like I said, there's a small group of people who loved Prey, small group of people who loved DLC. So what we now have figured out is that was just Arcane's way of playing with some of the ideas that they were going to later do for Deathloop because Deathloop is rogue, incredibly light, yeah. incredibly light, barely roguelike. Right. Um, but it's t- definitely taking a lot of influences from it. By the way, and I want to point out one more thing, their next game has already been announced. It's called Redfall and it had yep. one of the dopest trailers of this year's E3. Oh yeah, I remember that. 
That was crazy. Now, what if what if the people who made Deathloop had made that? Because they did. You're gonna like this. That game. That looks so cool. You want to you want to have a gun that shoots stakes at vampires, dude? Yeah. You want to have a make a psychic Victorian elevator? We definitely texted each other that trailer when that came out. That looks awesome. That game looks good, and we're gonna play it, and it's gonna be great. And it's not gonna come out in 2022. Let me tell you that. That's just Juliana's sniper gun right there, sniper rifle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Re- reuse assets. It's great. That's beautiful. I love it. Hey, when they work, they work. Speaking of reusing assets, this is uh, not a spoiler. In the final scene of Deathloop. The yeah, final no, I'm you, not a scene. Spoiler. Not a spoiler. Okay. Hang in there. It's okay. Okay. There are some guns. Some guns you have not seen in the entire game so far. They're pulled out of a special case. Those guns are from the game Dishonored. Cool. That's awesome. Right? They got little nods. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really fun. They're doing all kinds of stuff throughout. That's cool. Um, That's about all I got on development because... Most of the development really has not been written yet. I think over the next couple of sure. years, we'll have the cool postmortems, we'll have the interviews, we'll have those things that really build this out. But for right now, that's what we know. I guess the, the other big thing is this game was supposed to come out in, I think, May, and it got pushed back till September. People seem real upset about that. Eh, I got enough to play. I'm fine. Push it back, make it a good game. That's where Death I'm Loop at. Deathloop was a good game. I liked it. Yeah, I imagine if they did that with, uh, if they'd done that with Cyberpunk. Which I hear is very good right now and not buggy at all. Even if it's not buggy, it's not great, though. That's true. Uh, no, I, I heard somebody talking this week about he never played Cyberpunk when it first came out. And he was like, so I just downloaded it. They've got, they've got all these updates. And, like, this game is gorgeous. Like, this is really fun. I like it. You know, It is. It was beautiful. At the time, I, I've got some, some thoughts about the gorgeousness. But, like, the idea of somebody experiencing it just having no bugs. I was like, wow. That is, that's a cool, cool vibe. Cool thing to do. Uh, it looks like they just pushed the PS5 version of Cyberpunk 27. No, no, they just pushed it to 2022. Oh! Which, again, we're saying we need to support that. Yes. We need to support that. But also, we need to make fun of it a little bit. Just a little bit, because CD Projekt Red seemed to be like dicks. Because they debuted their game to come out with the new video game systems, which I guess was a year and a half after they wanted to actually come out. Everything's late. Anyway. They had a special Xbox a cyberpunk oh xbox God. that was out of date by the time their game came out it's ridiculous dude it's kind of funny it's, i'm sorry it it's kind of funny all right death loop let's get into the gameplay we're gonna move into gameplay now and while we seamlessly segue yes which by the way is always dangerous never forget the man who invented segways died on a segway that's not true it is i think i looked that up and it wasn't go google it um Anyway, it was like a guy the, who was like one of the CEOs or something like that. You're right. He didn't technically invent it because people who invent things never get rich off of them. It's the guy who got rich off of Segway's died. Yeah, this, the honestly. company owner died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not the actual inventor. He bought the Segway company a few years after it he, was made. Uh, he paid. He paid the guy who invented it fifty bucks and then made millions. You know, right, something right. Like that. poor John Segway. John Segway. He's lost out on so much money. Still alive today, though. Ah, there we go. Because he would not use his own device. He's not an idiot. These are so dangerous. No, no way. All right, so who started playing this first? You did. I don't remember. This was, this to me, this in 12 minutes, I kept getting confused. I remember when they were both at, um, at, uh, E3 or whatever the new E3 is called with the crazy guy last year. It was like, oh, this thing coming in fall 2021. That's way in the future. It's going to be great. 
I'll probably still be playing Cyberpunk at that point, but who knows? Maybe I can jump sure. on these games. Yeah, it's going to be the best game ever. And these ones are about little like time loops. One's a 12-minute one, and one's a full day. Awesome. I'm sure they'll both be great. Can't wait. Then 12 minutes came out, and both of us... What? How'd you describe it? It seems like there's two camps of reviewers and podcasters yes. that we listen no, to. No, I was, I, I was like, there, there are two camps. The first is people who um, really seem to like it, mm-hmm. and it's, it's really working for them. They started playing it. They're they're digging it, and the other camp is people who have actually finished the game. That's what it was. It takes a it takes a nosedive about two thirds of the way through, maybe a little further. Uh, I did not I did not play it at all because I heard these things, and then finally I spoiled myself on it. And went yeah, that sucks. And it's um, glad it, I didn't play it. James McAvoy, Daisy Ridley, Willem Dafoe, like amazing cast for a game, especially this like smaller like bottle episode type game. Yep. But yeah, the stuff I listened to was uh, by voice actors and developers and game writers. And they were specifically saying how it seemed like they were trying not to bad, you know, just like crap on the game the whole time. Uh, but they were saying basically like, it seemed like all of the voice actors just went in and did like a day, maybe a half yeah. a day's work. Yeah. And it would have been so much better and more kind of realistic or immersive if they'd gone in and just like record 10 different versions of those lines that you hear you know, a hundred times because you're repeating the 12 minutes over and over and over and over again. Anyway, that's not the game. The other game was Deathloop. The other game was Deathloop. As soon as I heard 12 minutes wasn't everything I expected to be, I was like, cool, I will spend all my money on Deathloop. I don't even care if people tell me it's bad. I need to play a game that has a time loopy thing in it. Let me jump in right here because I had a similar experience with Deathloop, a game that looked really cool. And then they did a... um a session where they allowed people to play it okay. and people came away from that session. It, it was like the first trailer looked amazing. And the second trailer was kind of like the first trailer. And then it was like, but, but like a little bit added and it, it didn't seem to be much. And you started to get worried. Like, do they not, do they not want to show us other things? What's, um, what's going on. And then they did this thing where they let a bunch of game industry, uh, people, a bunch of game journalists play it and kind of the resounding feeling. This was back in the spring. I think maybe early summer was, um, there's not a lot there. This game feels very thin. What? Um, you know, it's it's tough to know because I was put in, um, you know, six hours in, basically. They don't let me go through this. I only played an hour of it in the middle, but I was like, uh, kind of the dialogue that I heard, like, in my my hour, I heard the same line repeat like three different times. Um, the, the enemy banter just didn't seem to be good. What? I Like, I like the vibe, but I don't know. By the way, all of these same people have completely recanted. Okay. And have been like, I think that that session, I think that they they, they picked the wrong section of the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, And they should have just, you know, they should have not done it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, I tough. mean, people love this game. It, it seems really, really positively reviewed people like it one of our the favorite parts that we talk about every time we talk about the game is the dialogue and not not just yes. juliana and yes. cult but of the random npcs the eternalists of just like the stuff you overhear when you're sneaking around is so good and sounds so natural and funny and witty and just calm and relaxed it's so good do you know that two of the random i I'm, i call them henchmen i think of them as henchmen but they're eternalists is what they're called they're living their life they're not working for anyone else do you know that two of them killed someone and uh and hid the body did you come across that conversation? No. Uh, they they killed someone and threw them in the water. Oh, I did hear about this. Yeah, yes. they covered the body. They they covered up the murder, and they're like nervous that they're going to get found out. I love it. That's not like one conversation. That shows up over multiple conversations as you get to know these people. Yes, but let's get into the gameplay. We, we, we've gone too far. Should we do a quick plot summary or not even do that? A little bit. A little bit. I think we should. Give me like a ninety right? second plot. Summary. So this is this is incredibly minor spoilers of things you find within the first half hour. I like it. Right. 
There is first off, there's a time loop. That's kind of the main thing of this game. In this time loop, you are on an island called Black Reef. And on this island, there are two kinds of people. There are visionaries and eternalists. The eternalists are random henchmen uh, that you kill a bunch of, like maybe hundreds. Um, and the visionaries are these kind of like like mini bosses, right? Like like a bunch of bosses. There's yeah, seven of them. Yeah. They're all assholes, but they are all assholes in their own individual ways. They're each unique, and none of them are good. They're all selfish. They're all narcissistic, but they're all different. Yep. And during this game, you're going to be trying to kill them a bunch. And so their narcissism actually helps the gameplay because you really hate them. You're really annoyed by them in really great ways yeah. as you go on. There is, in fact, one of the players will pick, uh, or one of the visionaries will pick Charlie Montague as an example. Charlie Montague is a game developer. And Charlie Montague is the greatest genius that has ever existed. And no one appreciates his genius other than Charlie Montague. And maybe someone else will get to that. But this guy is, his head is so up his own ass. He made an AI that just talks about how great he is and thinks he's the greatest person ever. And it basically runs the island. And it's, it's making fun of game developers. It's making fun of that idea of the lone genius game developer, the person we've been talking about throughout. Um, that's a, that's a great gag. And it's fun to kill Charlie. It's fun to kill Charlie a bunch of times. I killed him so Mm -hmm. many times Mm -hmm. because again, this thing loops back, but we, we forgot one other part of this. Well, maybe a few others. All right. Let me, let me add some, let me add some geography. Yeah. Black Reef has, uh, four areas, uh, quadrants. We might call them for lack of a better term. Uh, also each day is divided into four parts. And so in a given day, you could go to each quadrant once or, Maybe you could go to the same quadrant four times, but every time you change quadrants, the day moves forward. And there's a goal, a thing you have to accomplish that's revealed within the first three hours, and you've got to accomplish it during a single day. Yeah. Now, you can use some of the other days to make that happen for you, but the end run is going to be one day. Can you do it all? Can you make it happen? Can you line up the dominoes and then knock them down? Well, there's a problem. It's not going to be so easy for you because you play as a man named Colt. Colt Vaughn. And Colt Vaughn. And um, Colt is a fantastic player character. I want to talk all about him. Yeah. But first, let's talk about Juliana. Mm-hmm. Because the first image you see in the game is yourself getting stabbed in the chest with a machete remember by Juliana. Wow. And she is just like digging it around in there. Not like a, ah, I kind of stabbed you, but like... You can feel like, She's oh, done no, that was the before. sternum. The, okay, those are the ribs. Yeah. No, those are the ribs you just got to. Okay, I can feel that. There is blood. You are coughing up blood. You are holding on to the machete as she's moving it around. Yeah. And she says something like, well, see you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah, I'm sorry, what? And that's how you're thrown into this game. And Juliana is trying to kill you. She's trying to prevent you from reaching that goal that you have. So even when you line up those dominoes and you're ready to knock them down, Juliana's going to come there and ruin your day. Oh, and one more thing, the role of Juliana tonight will be played by a random person online invading your game oh, and yeah, ruining yeah. your day, which is a nice little twist. Or your brother, if you're in friends-only mode. That was fun. That was I like that. Oh, dude. So the my biggest issue with the game, other than when games end and when novels end and whatever else, I'm like, I just want more. Like, make a six-hour version of that movie, please. So Lord of the Rings is the only movie I actually really love. Because I'm like, okay, that's enough. That's good. 
extended. We're good. Lord yeah, of the Rings yeah, extended. Yeah, yeah, right. The original is still not long. No, enough. when you're only eight and a half hours in, I want more. Give me more. Well, like, what would you even call it if you made a miniature big? I don't even like a, a tall tallyatures. Tallyatures. Yeah, sounds yeah. Good to me. That's what it is. Anyway. Bigatures! That's a super inside Helms joke there. I says, can't we do some miniature miniatures? Why do we have to keep doing bigatures? And that name suddenly, I said, bigatures? <laughs> yes, they're big. They're not little. I said miniatures, you know. But yeah, I'd say my biggest issue with the first hour of the game is the the amount of tutorials and the splash screens. They're like, hey, you have a slab in your arm. This is what it does. And it's just like paragraph, paragraph, paragraph about this ability that you have. It's like, you can upgrade it later, and you can save things later, and there's residuum that you can gather around here, but you haven't figured that out yet because you haven't gotten to these complex yet and got, like, the vet to suck up the weird rapey. And it's like, all this stuff that is so overwhelming. And probably hour two, maybe? Maybe three is when I was like, okay, I get it. I'm getting, like, my, my wheels are actually getting traction here. Quick pause. We are now going to move into the mild spoiler territory. We're not spoiling any story, story stuff. Thank you. Right? We're just doing gameplay spoilers because now we got to talk about slabs. We got to talk about residual. We got to talk about all the things that are going on. And most of you don't care. That's fine. You can keep listening. You're fine. We'll have a big like klaxon go off when it's time for real spoilers. This is just, there's a game. You've got powers. Let us tell you what some of these powers are. Ben, stop right now. What's your favorite slab? Oh, I, so I, we talked about this before. Uh, Were we not recording when we talked yesterday? No, we were not. (laughs) And I know the answer. It's true. The one I use the most is ether. Ether slab easily just in really ether slab, which you, you get the upgrade or the trinket that lets you lets it not uh, degrade or not use your energy when you're standing still. So that means literally if you get shot or get found out or you're in a uh, gunfight, you don't want to be in. You just run around the corner, and hit the ether slab. And you just stand there or jump up, jump on top of something and hit the ether slab and then wait for everything to die down Poof. and you're good to go again. So that and the shift slab were the two. That I would just be flying around, no one would be noticing me, or if they would notice me, I'd be gone immediately, and then they'd just be like, "What? Oh, I guess that was nothing." What about you? Now I watched you. I watched you play, and I'm gonna I'm gonna switch the order on those. Yours is shift and then ether. You think so? Because you you like ether, right? It's there for your safety. It matters to you, but you use the shift. Oh, maybe like, like a real professional. I watched you move around. You knew exactly where you were gonna land. Every time you hit double shift. jump, shift, double jump, shift, Boom. double jump, shift. Oh, so good. Shift teleports you, you yeah. know, 20 feet forward. Uh, you can use it to go up. Uh, you can even use an upgrade that switches your position with someone else on the map. That's a cool one. Like, that's cool. I have that's really cool. That one and then reach, which just get, it like doubles your shift length distance. Oh, those are really fantastic. Nice. Yeah. Oh, hey, I didn't have that. Um, is that how you made that jump that I that I that I missed? Probably. Remember? Yeah. Remember? Did you not? Like, yeah. You just double jump. I didn't, I didn't realize you no, tried no. that jump. No. Yeah, no, that's how, remember, that's how it ended when we were playing together. I didn't know you tried the jump. I thought you died somehow. Oh, that's fine. No, no, I tried. Like, oh, I'll jump like Ben. I died by trying to do what you were just doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, uh, that's it is. It is funny. That's it's good. funny, it's Ben. So it's funny, funny is, when is, you die. Is, it's funny. Um, so now my favorite, I used shift kind of as, as my backup, but that's a clear second to me to the number one power ever. Maybe better than anything I've ever had in a Bioshock. It's called Nexus. The way it works is you hit one enemy with it, and anyone within, let's say, 5, 10 feet of them also gets connected. And you see this, this magical beam between them. And any damage you do to one also goes to the other. Now, I can then turn around, and I can hit somebody on the other side of the map with it, and those two are connected. So you can even do it over longer distances. 
And there's no limit, it doesn't seem, to the number of people. You can so, only hit it three times, though, right? Because you get, like, three chunks yes, in your energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can only hit it three times. But let's say... Let's say the entire game revolves around a really difficult final kind of uh, act where you've got, like, I don't know, 200 people trying to kill you, and it's impossible. It can't be done. You just have to be sneaky. You have to be stealthy, right? And that's the way you did it, Ben. You did it the right yeah. way. You did it stealthy. Yeah. I did it the stupid way because every time I was stealthy, I got killed. And so instead, I just used my Nexus power, highlighted, you know, 12 people at a time, and then shot one of them in the head. And they all just drop to the ground. Now, it gets funnier. Let's say I use my Nexus power on two people next to each other on a rooftop. And then, Ben, you see somebody on a rooftop. What's the, what's the most magical power? It's not even a slab. What's the best thing in this game you can do when someone's on, leaning over the edge of a railing on a rooftop? Oh, you kick them. You kick them. They kick them right off the edge. It's such a fun button. Fly, oh, they fly. They die, and it's great. All right, now, what if you hit the Nexus powers? What does, yeah, so if they're connected to a bunch and of people you and you kick, kick one them off, off the how edge. does that happen? What happens to everybody else? One of them hits the ground, and then the other just collapses. Oh, that's amazing. It's fantastic, especially because at that point, they've seen you. Yes. And they're looking at you, and they're like, oh, I better get my gun ready. That's hey, awesome. Hey, it's Colt. I'm going to shoot him. Uh, so, by the way, the enemy banter in this game, phenomenal. So people going like, oh, it's Colt. We got to get him. But as you progress, you start to get to this other line, which was my favorite. Hey, it's... um the the bad guy like it's somebody like just giving up yeah, they're yeah. like What's i don't know again? i haven't been studying the plot i'm like i'm just a henchman it's the guy we're supposed to kill right it's 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 that guy so, let's let's kill him two things one is i tried uh not havoc what is it um nexus a, a couple times last night i was jumping into play yeah. and it seemed which by the way i was in last night playing with nexus i did the whole final day just with yeah. nexus to see if i could and i ended up doing it but like um, I, Juliana joined my uh, level like 15 minutes in, which you told me was against the rules. I agree. It's, it's against the rules. It freaked I, me I out. She, she took a life from me and it freaked me out. Anyway, uh, but I was in Dorsey Manor, which is the PlayStation's talking about where you're, um, there's a lot of people. And I threw the Nexus lab and I was like, oh, everyone's going to be connected. I'm going to shoot one person and they all die. It is not that simple, my friend. No, no. You got to get good at it. It is. Just I was like you're not good with good Nexus. You're, you're good with Shift. I'm good with Nexus. Yeah, I was right? not it good takes at a little, it. But the cool thing is, um, what if Juliana's walking through that crowd? Yeah. Yeah, she counts. You can link her to it. Or, uh, well, there's there are people that are connected that are visionaries at that on that. Yes. Um, and yes. so if you can get them, that makes sense, too. I can see that. Yeah, I, I did once. Uh, part of the challenge of Dorsey Manor is you've got to kill, like, three people. And I did once just, like, chain a bunch, like, a huge group. And I didn't know who was in the group. And I shot one person. And then just, like... All of my notifications go off of like, well, you killed this boss, you killed that boss, you killed this boss. I was like, well, that was quick. Okay, but bigger idea. We should probably get less like in the weeds about this stuff. Uh, No, more weeds. Brent's made it this far and he's so he's never going to play this game. Come on, Brent, play this game. So the George Tirebiter wants you to play. Let's talk about back to what you were talking about. The idea of the AI. Yes, I've, I've heard it critiqued that the AI is not good in this game compared to like bloodborne dark souls just like really hard games playing this this is not a hard game in the sense that like the enemies are really tough to beat right true uh i wouldn't even say this is a hard game in the sense that the puzzles are really hard to do like this is easier than a lucasarts game when it comes to puzzle solving um so i guess yeah what's your take on that i usually play games in god mode so my take's pretty straightforward on that but yeah, what's your take on the like, I know you, you find it much more rewarding to beat a difficult boss or game 
How did you feel about the AI in general and the challenge of it? So uh, immersive sims are kind of magic this way of people who like immersive sims generally like to find ways to cheese a game, right? To find a, a cheap way to beat a boss. Uh, not because they're like, oh, I hate difficulty, but because there's a joy in discovering that. Right. They're like, oh, look at this exploit, right? The other thing to say about this game is that it ramps really, really well. It ramps difficulty. Yeah. The way that difficulty ramp works in this is this is not true. I'm using this to be spoiler free, but let's say that it works this way. In the morning, the enemies are stupid, and by the evening of that day, they get really smart, right? Now, it actually ramps according to things that you do, but let's pretend it's that way. And so if you are grading the AI only off of the morning, that's intentional. They're all hungover. They're not great. And by the way, as you go up, there's fewer and fewer enemies per level. Is that something you noticed? Like, as the day goes on, there are fewer and fewer people around. Well, there's one level where it's specifically like, everyone get out of here across the PA, right? Right. Where it's like, there's no one. But most of the levels, you go back to the places where there used to be eight people, and now there's three. Later on through that last day? Yeah, and they're carrying more equipment. The idea being that they've been killing each other all day. Oh, that's funny. And they've been raiding each other's equipment. That's why they're all upgraded at the end. And so the AI has actually like an in-game reason for why. Oh, that's cool. I didn't realize that. Did you make that up? No. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Because you notice the drops are better, right? Yeah. As you go on, you get better weapons. You get better upgrades and things like that. That's cool. Uh, So the game also works in a way that you can uh, retain your upgrades that you get during the day. You can retain your weapons. And it it works on a a nice kind of uh, gambling type system where you're like, hey, I can risk it and I can go for all this, but I might lose my cool weapons. Oh, let me try and move this over here. Like there's some fun decisions that you have to make once you start getting upgraded your weapons. Here's my one big critique of the game that I will offer pre-spoiler. Ben, what genre is this game? I just taught you about this genre. Tell me. Oh, immersive sim. Immersive sim. The core of an immersive sim is the use of simulated systems that respond to a variety of player actions, which, combined with a comparatively broad array of player abilities, allow the game to support varied and creative solutions to problems, as well as emergent gameplay beyond what has been explicitly designed by the developer. Tough. It delivers on a lot of this. Yeah. In individual moments, there's often a lot of ways to solve a problem, and at times... I said, Ben, you know, I'm confused. I feel like I should be taking notes. I feel like I should Mm -hmm. have a pad of paper out. Should be drawing out where the dominoes should go. If we're using this metaphor, lining up the dominoes and then knocking them down. And the major problem with this game is there's only one way to set up the dominoes. Yeah, what did I say when you said, should I have like, should I be writing this stuff down? I'm not going to remember all that. What did I say? Because I was like a day or two ahead of you. You're like, don't bother. There's a section that says leads. Just do whatever it says next. Nothing matters. You don't need to remember anything. You just it's my one critique. Go to the orange dot. Yeah. Now, I've got some other subtler critiques, but, like, that's the big one. Yeah. That's yeah, fair. It really feels nonlinear in so many ways, and yet the core quest of the game is completely linear. And I wish so badly that it wasn't. I wish that it allowed you to search things out. And it may be that we discover in the coming weeks, right, there's going to be a speedrunner who starts this game and wins it on the first day. Because they figured out a smarter system. Mm. than what we know right that means they figure out how to lay the dominoes in a different way ideally but like i think it's gonna be weird i think i think it'll be glitchy it'll be whatever it won't be what we're dreaming of i mean isn't outer wilds this yes yes with just completely. a a much much less guidance throughout much more just like sporadically like the notes are 
two times further away from each other right, and there's so, ba- fewer enemies. So, so I heard an interview with the creator of Outer Wilds this week. And one of the things he talked about was as they were doing, um, there's this play between letting the players just kind of discover things and giving them notes, which tell them what they just discovered. And so when they're doing playtesting, one of the things they noticed is they would sometimes have someone playing the game and their notes would say, you just discovered this. And the player would be like, I did? Yeah. I had no idea. Yes. And I was like, whenever that happened, they were like, redesign the puzzle. Oh, interesting. Now, there were still moments where that happens. That happened right? to me a lot on Deathloop. <laughs> yeah, but it happened all the time. That was pure Deathloop. Sorry. Deathloop was pure just being like, I don't know. It's like, what? This is a long note, and it's written in like, like all these notes written with like weird shorthands and stuff. And sorry, I cut you off earlier. Short, shorthands between screen names yeah. that stand for the names of different yeah. people. And it's like, you told me who the person is. I know who it is. And it's a clever short name that connects back to them. It's not a mystery. Yeah. But by the time I finished reading this chat log, I don't care yeah. anymore. I just don't All care. Right, so let's, and I'm angry. Let's do spoilers. Spoilers from here on out. Uh, wait. Anything. Oh, okay. Wait. Let's let's pause for a moment. Is there anything else you want to say to people before we jump into the spoilers? Uh, I wish you could get more outfits um, without playing online. Um, the guns are good. The good guns. It's not an over. It's not an overwhelming amount of guns, which is usually I feel with games like this, like like yes. Bioshock, like Fallout, like whatever. It seems like the, or Halo and stuff like that. Like there's it's a very limited number of guns, but a seemingly infinite way of customizing mm-hmm. guns because you can lay exactly. upgrades on different guns. Exactly. And so, do you want your pistol to be able to aim far, right. or do you want your sniper rifle to be able to aim even further, or reload faster across the entire level? Yeah, yeah. What do you want to do with it? Right. So yeah. many. Different you feel models. like you can supercharge any weapon you want. By the way, in um, two more things I want to say pre-spoiler. Big influences for this game. Oh yeah. Beyond immersive sims. Edgar Allan Poe's Mask of the Red Death. We're going to get into that in the spoiler territory about how it lines up, but it lines up so well. The other big influence on this game, and I would love to know how this happened, is COVID. This is only the second game I've played that has a direct reference to COVID. Uh, The first being Hitman 3. There's a reference on a radio in Hitman 3 where they're talking about a virus spreading and people not believing that it's real. This game has a direct reference to COVID Constantly. that like is 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 really plot specific, like really matters. The Hitman one is is a throwaway. This one matters to the plot of the game. I want to know when they thought of that. My guess is they were making a game. They used Mask Mask of the Red Death as an influence. It made sense. Mask of the Red Death is about a plague, and while the game was being developed, a plague yeah. happened, and they're like, we have to draw yeah. that line. We have to make that connection explicit because it's it's happening. While we're making the game, it was, I, I don't want to call it serendipity because it's actually awful, right. but it, it was a moment where they saw a connection and they wanted to draw it. And so the, those are some things we'll talk about in the spoilers, um, but go play the game first yeah. so that we can draw all those lines explicitly. At the very least, and every game has its criticisms. This is just a really fun game to play that even though I beat it a week ago, I'm still going back and every day playing. Like I just said, I beat the whole, the last day again, the kind of the, like the last mission, it took 45 minutes and I was all in to be like, Oh yeah, what? And I, Finish it a different way. Like there's multiple endings, which is always cool. So when we talk about how linear it is, it's still not completely linear. Uh, it's not Monkey Island linear in that sense. But yeah, it's it's just really fun to be in that world. It's really I've never had a, a game that's so fun to play um, stealthily and so fun to play whatever the opposite opposite of stealthily, Benelli is <laughs> whatever. Where it's like just go in guns blazing or go in and like not kill a, a single person the whole time. Both equally challenging, equally fun, I thought. 
don't know. Yeah, go play. It's really, really fun. Okay, one more point. One more influence on this game, although this one is distant. But I think that it does it really, really well. And it's Nietzsche's concept of the eternal recurrence of the same. Uh, This is the idea behind Groundhog Day. And Groundhog Day does this so, so well. So uh, let me give the the very brief version of Nietzsche and tell you why this game does it well. Uh, So Nietzsche in uh, Thus Spoke Zarathustra has Zarathustra tell a a myth. This is Eternal Return? Uh, Yeah, the the Eternal Recurrence of the same. Oh, oh, Recurrence, okay, yeah. Eternal Return is also what it's called. Um, And and it's usually mischaracterized by Nietzsche believed that everything that had ever happened, uh, ever happens, has happened before. That's not what Nietzsche is saying. That's nothing to do with what Nietzsche is saying. In order to understand what he's saying, real quick side tangent, I, I promise, less than three minutes total, we will get through this thing. All right. There's this guy named Immanuel Kant. His idea of ethics was uh, what he called the categorical imperative. Whatever, uh, do only those things which you think could be uh, the universal mandate for all of mankind. Right. Yeah, right? yeah. So I had a children's book when I was a kid, and it was called If Everyone Did. And it said, um, oh, you know, uh, don't slam the door. It's like, well, why can't I slam the door? Well, because if everyone did, the door would fall off its hinges. Don't pick a flower. Well, why not? Because if everyone did, there would be no flowers. I was like, at that one, you should start to get scared. You should start to be like, well, no, nah, sometimes it's chill to pick flowers. We just got to make sure we don't pick all the right. flowers. Like, picking a flower is a good thing to do, right? Sharing it, having joy, you know, experiencing life. And so Nietzsche takes constant categorical imperative and he he flips the axis right so it it applies to with content applies to all mankind and he says what if instead it applied to your entire life and it was just you so nietzsche's doctrine of eternal recurrence of the same is imagine you're walking through the woods one day and a he says daemon which is not demon but a supernatural being that could be an angel or a demon you don't know some kind of super- person that sends all your emails back to me. exactly uh major right. demon Mailer demon Mailer demon. So uh, the daemon says, uh, uh, jumps out and says, "Hey, hey Ben. All right now, now let's 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 remove, let's drop the artifice. Ben, I'm going to tell you right now. This is this is actually me revealing the Truman Show for you. This life that you're living right now, Ben. I love. It. I'm in. I'm in. You have been living countless times, thousands of times. You've gotten to this moment. I've told you this before. This is the best of the worst version. Are they identical? And that's the question." Oh, okay. Sorry. I keep jumping. Now, do you turn to me? No, this is it. That's exactly it. Do you turn to me and say, like, fuck off? That's the worst curse you could ever give me. Or do you say, that is the word of God. I've never heard anything more blessed in my my life. And the reason that Nietzsche asks this is, uh, in other words, and he doesn't say this part, but in other words, live the kind of life where if someone said that to you, you would be like, dope. I've lived this before and I'm going to live it again. I've been nailing it. Yeah. I want to live this life again because if you live that kind of life, you will be kind to others. You will love others. Yeah. You will, you will strive to flourish in everything that you do. And you will know that some days you need to rest. You will know that some days you got to play video games all day. And that's great. That was a wonderful life lived. Right? It's not about like exact the most enjoyment from every moment. I am right. a robot. Have the most money. It's not money. utilitarianism. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's how do you live a life that you would want to live again? And I love that question. Live a life that you would want to live again. 
that's at the core of Nietzsche's eternal recurrence of the same. It happens in Groundhog Day, right? How does he get out of the loop? He lives a day that he would want to live again. Not because he slept with someone by persuading them. Not because of this, but because he finally loved other people. And Deathloop functions the same way. It has three different endings. And I think only one of them is a good ending. And Ben got it in his first try. I got it in my second try. We'll talk about this in a second. But Deathloop offers that message that the eternal recurrence of the same can be okay. And it leaves you, the player, with that question. Actually, at the end, and there are three endings to this game, and it allows you, the player, to choose, all right, is this the worst thing I've heard in my life? Or is this the best thing I've heard in my life that I'm in a death loop? And it allows you to explore that. And it allowed me and Ben to experience that as well yeah. uh, in doing co-op stuff. So it's a cool game. We'll talk a little bit about those details as we go into spoiler section. All right. Spoiler bump. Let's talk, let's talk about the end. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Let's ruin it. Spoil it. I loved the fact that I got to the end and she was like, feel free to shoot me, dude. Dad. No, no, no. Back it up. Because there are people listening right now who did not play this game. Yeah. Why did you say the word dad? (laughs) I wanted to start at the end. All right. So you do find in about, I don't know, two thirds of the way through, you find out that Juliana, who is trolling you, basically, she's in your head radio, like talking to you the whole time, being like, oh, you killed this visionary. You think you're a badass? Well, actually, you left my mom or whatever. I don't even know their whole history, but like, yeah. You find out that Juliana is your is Colt's daughter. Your plane is Colt. Uh, and it's basically in the end, you have to go through a whole day, visit four different places on that final day, and kill all six visionaries, I believe, right? Uh, and Seven. No, seven, and that's important. I thought it was six, and then Juliana is the seventh. Juliana's the eighth. Alexis, Charlie, Wenji, Igor, Fia, Harriet, Frank. Yeah, totally. You're right. Good call. Boom. Seven. All right. And actually, there's nine visions. Yes. Because Colt is yeah, I can't remember what, at what time you find that out, but it's explained to you towards the end. I, it felt obvious it to me. The fact that he's a visionary, like, that felt... I wasn't sure just because it, he was kind of an idiot, it seemed. He, he was security. he's in pictures with him. Yeah, it's true. He's in pictures with him. And he's in the, the two center. things, he was secure. He was, like, the head of security, and also he was the... Everyone knew him, so it wasn't just like, he's the guy that, like... I don't know, keeps people from invading or whatever, but like he seemed like he had like a big position on the island. And then also yep. the fact that, did he leave for 17 years and came back? But at okay. some point she says you left and chose to Let's come back. Let's dig into okay, that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's dig into that real quick. It was, that's the stuff with, with uh, Leela Blake, I think, uh, Juliana's we're, mother. We're, we're going to spoil Oh, yeah, everything. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Leela. Yeah. All right, the um, Black Reef is like this experimental military thing. Yes, yeah. Start, yeah, yeah. Colt, Colt was a military guy yeah. on it. There were, for some reason, there were rockets. I don't know. They did rocket stuff, right? It's the military. There was an something called the anomaly, giant air quotes. Manhattan running. Project. Big, you think about SpaceX? All stuff. the geniuses in the weird world stuff. are it's doing great. rocket stuff, right? After and and during that time, Colt had a relationship with a, a woman named uh, Lila, and we get some cool. We get like one recording, of yeah, that, and it's cute and it's sweet, and I love that there's only yeah. one. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. really special. Yeah. It feels secluded. It feels like its own thing. And you have yeah. to get it. It's required yeah. by going through the game. You have to get there if you want to finish the game. And then he left Black Reef for 17 years. He was in an insane asylum. And then a bunch of Instagram influencers and Tesla type people were like, 
let's go back to this military installation and live forever, dude. I love it. And at some point in there, this is the thing that Colt may have forgotten. The world ended. They went off to this island. The world ended? The world ended. I don't remember that part. That's that's something you missed. Yeah. I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about that. That was with the COVID stuff. Oh, okay. It's it's only gestured at. Yeah, I don't remember that explicitly. It's made really clear in one of the endings, right? The ending where you where you end the loop. Which I never did. Right? If you do that. Did I? Then suddenly the sky is blood oh, red. Oh, I did do that. Right? It's a different sky. It has crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. And it's it's bad. It's supposedly called the good ending. It's bad. You might be the only humans left. It's not clear. It's not clear how badly the world has ended. But the rest of civilization does not probably exist too much anymore. And it might be related to some kind of plague. How did you get just from the sky? You got that? No, that was uh, told. If I remember right, it was the same place that you get the guy that um, that tries to gas you. Oh, I think okay. I found it in a notebook in his uh, in his okay. place. But there, there, it was some note, notepad okay. somewhere, right, where they, they talk about fleeing the end yeah. of the world. Uh, and that connects us back to Mask of the Red Death, which we'll go back to in a second. So the world has ended. They all go here. Uh, Colt, at some point, uh, loses all of his memories. But in doing so, regains the ability to remember the death loop. Because here's something that's happening on the island. Everyone on the island knows that they're in a loop. Knows that they will live eternally in this loop. But the downside to this loop is they cannot remember the days. Okay, yeah, yeah. They, they don't remember what happened yesterday. Right. They know that this is day one of the death loop. They also know that day one will be for eternity. And so there's the great line that Frank says about like, hey, I want to pour one out to my friends who were killed today. Um, but guess what? Tomorrow, I'm going ha- to have a drink yeah. with them. We're going to get them drunk, tell them all about it. It'll be great. Because they don't know that they don't remember it. They literally think it's day one of a death loop. Right. And they know they're going to loop. They trust the loop. They're going to protect the loop. That's what matters. But they don't actually remember that they've been doing it for some number of years, question mark. Juliana at one point refers to hundreds of years. Yeah. That they've been in this loop. Is she screwing with Colt? Who knows? Um, so then we discover that, uh, that Juliana, and this was told, this was the part that I missed, Right. There's a mention of Lila being pregnant, Lila being pregnant. And then you figure out that Juliana is her daughter, therefore your daughter. And that was subtle-ish and then made very explicit. When you enter the last day, when you're ready to go on the last day, she's like, he's like, so I need to talk to you about something. And she goes, oh, you figured it out, didn't you? He's like, yeah. She goes, oh, I can hear your voice. Yeah, you realize I'm my daughter. I'm your daughter, huh? Uh, you kind of thought we were going to hook up, didn't you? It's like, no, 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 never. He's like, I know, you thought it. Hey, we did hook up once, didn't we? And and he's like, what? She's like, ah, I'm just screwing with you. Or am I? Because she continues to troll him, which is fantastic. By the way, I'm going to spoil another game in a moment. This is the plot of Bioshock Infinite. And this is a direct reference to Bioshock Infinite. Where the character you're playing as is consistently working with a female character who's much younger than him, but there's a lot of flirtation between them, and you later find out she's your daughter from an alternate timeline. And I don't think Bioshock Infinite handles that well. I think Deathloop handles it better, but I still wish you didn't have to flirt with your daughter. I wish we could just have a game That'd be nice. where they have a relationship that's never flirty. 
It's just never flirty. And then later you find out it's your daughter, and it's a twist, but not an incestuous twist. It can still be a twist. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's tough luck. The goal of the game is to kill all seven visionaries. Oh, yeah, we can get through that. Once you do that, then you break the loop. You can get out of it, and you can... Whatever happens when the loop breaks happens. Which Colt thinks you return to the real world. But what he may not have put together is that the real world is dead. And there is no real world anymore. And that's what Juliana's trying to tell him. Now go on. She didn't do a very good job of saying that in the last scene, by the way. No. But it worked on me, I guess. But anyway, um, I thought that the... The idea, the concept of, okay, you can only go to four places in a day and you have to kill seven visionaries. And in the first couple times you play, the first couple days you play, they're at different places on the same part of the day. So the main puzzle of the game is figuring out ways to kind of like put things together in in which they all end up at the same place on those four, or at least within, you know, four, they all, all seven of them are in four places that you can go to. And I wish it felt like that, but it doesn't, it feels like following targets to the next thing. That's the plot. That's not the puzzle. You're right. But that's the the plot. plot. Exactly. Exactly. There's minor puzzles, but that's just the plot. It would be amazing in a much longer and more frustrating game, but ultimately much more rewarding if at the end of the game, I was like, Jay, how did you do it? And I was like, oh, this is how I did it. I got Igor to go over here because I broke his machines. So he ended up going to the party and and not you being like, we didn't talk about that at all because that's the only way to do it. That's that's Outer Wilds. Yeah. How did you discover this? Oh my gosh, I didn't know you could do that. What's Ghost Matter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a linear way to finish the day. Sure. To like have that thing. But there's so many ways to oh discover it. And there are no waypoints being like, hey, do this next. None. It's like, do whatever you want. Explore the world. Do whatever you want. And it's so tough to do. And so I like, I want to cut them some slack. But anyway, go on. Sorry. Yeah. Imagine this game, but twice as many locations. And each location has multiple locations within that one. And every time you want to go to a different part of the day or a different location, you have to get in a spaceship and really hope you don't crash that spaceship because if you do, you start the whole loop over again. It's tough to fly too. It's and real hey, hard to hey, fly. Ben, do you want to know what happened yesterday? Oh, what happened? The DLC to Outer oh, Wilds. Oh, yes. I'm excited to play that. Tyler texted me about that. that. We've got to do that. Yeah, we will do soon. that. That'll be a side quest for sure. My game of the year last year, two years ago, two years Whenever ago. Whenever it came out. I think it was 2019. Who knows? Time is an illusion. It's an illusion. Oh, time is a flat circle. Right, man. Uh, so when you get to the end, the three endings are you can break the loop, which means you kill Juliana. She's the eighth visionary of the day. And then you jump off the edge, which is you killing the ninth visionary. And you break the loop. You wake up. You see the red sunset. The The world is dead. You broke your your makeup world that you were living in for all eternity. Uh, or you kill Juliana and you sit down on the chair is an option. And basically it says... I don't. I didn't do this. this. Is the only one I didn't do. Where it's like you run Black Reef now. You start the loop over again. No. But you're it, yeah. That one. It literally. That's the first ending I got. You kill Juliana and then you sit down in the chair. Because I could see and if you didn't know the other other ones existed, that would feel like a linear thing. It doesn't even feel like an ending. It doesn't feel like a choice the, either. You start the same day over again yeah. in the exact same way. Yeah. And the now I actually am happy about that ending and then yeah. I got the first time at first time I was at first I was really upset like yeah. really bummed out I was like I missed out what? on an ending I didn't even get credits yeah which is cool dude that's a bold move like to it's them bold. they're like this person who played the game wanted to continue the loop yep they should what I get instead is Juliana mocking me for my choice yeah oh that's throughout cool. the day I get new dialogue really and I was like and as I was going on I was like all right, my ending's actually kind of cool. Because at first cool. I was so bummed. Totally. And I was like, I'm just, I'm going to watch the other endings. I'm done. 
I don't care. I watched them. And then the next day I was like, it matters to me that my controller is holding the game when I finish it. I I can't watch it on YouTube. So I'm going to, I'm going to actually finish it. And as I did that, I got new dialogue. Where cool. Juliana throughout the day, not just That's once, really but cool. throughout the day, reflected on the fact that we're doing this again. And we got each other's endings because I wanted to play the game. I guess we both like keep playing it, but I, yeah. at the end of the game, just from like a me perspective, not from a story perspective, wanted to continue the loop and keep playing and playing and playing. And it was kind of a a disappointment beating the game. Get, so we should say the third option is you choose not to shoot her. She does not shoot you. So so quick pause. Yeah, let's okay. let's explain that real quick. The ending that you get to is regardless of what you do, the last moment. Is Juliana pulls out dueling pistols, said so we're both going to aim at each other's head, and we're going to fire at the same moment. And that will break the loop. And what I did was, she says, one, two, three, fire, and I fired. Because it felt, I was worried about it, and she does it so quickly. Yeah, it happens real fast. Yeah. She goes, all right, so we're going to do it. One, two, three, and like, I know what button does fire. I yeah. press the fire button. And it literally has a big, like, R2, or, R, or whatever right. it is, like, right on your screen, right there, press it, yeah, yeah. And I shoot, and she doesn't. Yeah. And it's Colt going, you fucking lied to me. Yeah. You lied. You said yeah. you were going to shoot. And he's like broken hearted, and so am I. Yeah. Like, I was bummed that day. I was bummed the next day that I had pressed the button. Sure. And Ben hadn't. Yeah. Ben, what was your ending? So, yeah, you choose not to shoot. You just stand there for five, ten seconds, not shooting each other. And she puts her gun down. And I don't remember the dialogue, honestly, but it's basically like, Thanks for listening to me. Let's do this. Like you, we're a team now. Let's go. Let's be in the loop together. Let's explore. Let's, Let's adventure. Yeah. It's the ending that says to the daemon, "This is glorious. Let's live forever. Let's repeat our lives because let's live our lives in a way that we would want to repeat them. Whatever that means. Yeah. If and we you, shoot each other and kill each other, then that's the way it goes. But that doesn't have to be the life that we live. And you wake up on the beach again, and when that happened, I was like, "What? The beach again? Like this is the same thing. This is not a new ending or whatever." And you look over, and all the like light graffiti, the white lightish shaking graffiti that's all over kind of guiding you around uh, which we haven't talked about yet we should talk about yeah. that next uh, just says unbroken 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 all over and you look over to the cliffside and you see Juliana just walk to the edge and say something like hey pops or like hey yeah. you're finally here or whatever yeah hey you're finally here yeah and then you and do what we did which is Jason jumps in, jumps into my game as Juliana and we just go around terrorizing eternalists yeah we finally realized that that when you can oh god this is so beautiful yeah alright the way the game is built is I can play as Juliana and I can raid Ben's game and I can kill Ben Which and I can terrifying. make Ben sad. Yeah. Right. But once you finish the game, you realize I can be Juliana. I can raid Ben's game. We can be on the phone at the same time and I can help Ben. We can hang out. We can have fun in this world. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. Suddenly we gave each other tours of the island. Yeah, that's cool. And I was like, this is my favorite spot. Here's what I do. And Ben was like, here's my favorite spot. Here's what I do. And we just wandered around the island and it was a first-person shooter in which we shot other people occasionally, but really it was about exploration. It was about fun. It was about just saying, here's something I love. Let me share it with you. Yeah, it was cool. It was wonderful. Here's how I kill people. How do you kill people? We kill people in different ways. It was great, man. But yeah, so let's get uh, the graffiti. Yes. That okay. was just his memories subconsciously. Let's, before, but let's tell people what it is. Okay. When you start out the game, you wake up on a beach first moments of the game well actually after you get murdered by juliana yep. in the first moments yep. then you wake up on a beach and there's some graffiti that says something like uh hey come up here and it's like hovering near a rock it's not right. written on the rock it's like right like six inches in front of the rock. right 
And then you follow it and it says other things and it leads you along. And that happens throughout the game. And throughout the game, Ben and I were talking about it and we had different theories. Like at first I was like, these, these are cult's thoughts, right? And then as we got there, I was like, maybe these are, maybe Juliana's leaving us messages or something. Now, what, what conclusion did you come to about them? I think that they were just like the leftover scars from all of his loops and hundreds of years being there, just like his subconscious reaching out to him. Yeah, that sounds right to me. But it was weird that there was no definite thing, especially for a game that was probably over-tutorialized to have these big hints and also you have the leads and all the hint like those things. Like This was a beautiful way of doing those leads. It almost, I almost wish they didn't have the leads. Right. I um, completely agree. Which wouldn't have been frustrating. I really appreciate having them. I don't want to... Like, you know how in, um, um, there's, yeah, in Last of Us 2, they have like survivor heart, like in the, the difficulty levels, it's grounded is the hardest one. It's like grounded survivor, uh, losing no health, permadeath, like all these incredibly hard. You have to go through this 20 hour game and not lose any life at all as Abby or as Ellie. And it's just like insane to me that people do this and like there's speed runs of it in like 12 hours where you lose zero life. Then it's, yeah, just bonkers. Yeah, yeah. So I do wonder if there'd be like a way to play this game on hard level without any of the leads at all. Um, but it, it seems like the people who play games again on really hard levels without losing death and do speed runs on grounded or whatever, they played the game a thousand times. So there's no, I I can play the game now without any leads, and I would know what to do for the most part, right? Like once you beat it once, you kind of know the process. So I don't know, but it'd be cool to be able to play this game the, for the first time with le- like on different difficulty levels, right? And like be able to yes. ask for hints along the way. You'd be like, oh, I only asked for three hints the whole game. I only asked for two or whatever. But it did seem like it was a little handholdy, a lot handholdy throughout the game. Yep. Um, so is it okay if we move now to talk about like some of the influences on this? Oh, yeah. Missed. I want to mention a weird kind of way to get into this, which is, um, if I remember right, it was Project Eve. Um, there was a, a Sony uh, PlayStation showcase recently where they showed a bunch of new games. And one of them was Project Eve. And as I was watching it, I was like, okay, so whoever made this liked Bayonetta. And they liked the backgrounds in Nier Automata. Mm-hmm. And they liked the gameplay of um, Dark Souls. And they yeah. liked, right? And you could feel all the different parts. And they felt like a collage. They felt distinct. They felt yeah. separate. And they didn't gel into one cohesive whole. It just felt like someone being like, here are things that I like. Will you like them? Will you buy this now that I like all the things? And you like these things. You didn't think and it gelled? Felt, well, no, no. This is uh, Project Eve. This other oh, game. sorry, sorry. I'm right. Um, and it, it just felt like an algorithm told us you like these games. We put them all together. Do you like them now? Do you like me? Right. Are we friends? Right. It felt so desperate, and I didn't like it. And Deathloop is the perfect example of a game that learns from other games and learns what it likes from other games and then pulls those in. So it learned from roguelikes. It learned from Hades, right? What works? What's effective? It learned from Outer Wilds of a Deathloop and what, what makes a loop work. It learned from Prey and Bioshock. What else did it learn from, Ben? What am I missing? There's, there's probably, oh, uh, Team Fortress 2. The cartoon yeah, definitely Team Fortress. I mean, Mist was the main one because it's on an island. Yeah. Right? And I thought if you're, you're on an island running around doing puzzles, much less puzzly than that. But that was the first thing that was like from a big picture. Uh, Outer Wilds, we mentioned a lot. 
uh, Fallout where you're like building things and putting things together. Yes. Yeah, there were so many. And it felt like every time we talked, the first couple of days we were playing, it was like, and it's this part of this game, and it's this yes. part of this game, and it's this yes. part of this game. And it's all like our favorite parts of the games. Yes. <laughs> that, that was the thing is like Project Eve, it was like, what if I took this exact moment from this game? Right. And I just visually reproduced it. Right. Versus Deathloop, which is like, what if I tried to make you feel the feelings you felt at this moment? And it's like, feel the feelings? Yes, do that. That's not stealing. That's excellent. Yeah. What is the, um, the T.S. Eliot quote? Bad artists copy. Good artists steal. Oh, I just wanted to do the T.S. Eliot recording. Let us go then, yes. you and I. When the evening is spread out against the sky, some patient etherized upon the table. By the way, um, I'm going to get the actual recording and put it over there, you talking. Yes, thank you. Because there are a few imitations that I can do that are exactly right. And uh, T.S. Eliot saying the, the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. Yeah. I heard it once in class. A teacher played it for us. And I could not stop making fun of it because T.S. Eliot is this guy from Tennessee that became in love with England and moved to the U.K. later. And basically pretended he was British. He was like that that guy who goes to like uh you know study abroad and then comes back with an accent. Except he never came back. He just pretended he was never from Tennessee, and so he has like this Tennessee twang in his Britishness. It's that. kind of beautiful and so up his own ass in so many ways. The Madonna of poets. Oh, it so is. Yes, yes, the Madonna <laughs> of poets. And so we, me and my friends, we would just sit around and mock it, and I would do do the the T. S. Eliot voice, Prufrock. I think you put it on a mix CD in like 2002 sure or something. Sure I did. Because in between, I in between Pennywise and yeah. Eve Six songs or whatever. I can't believe I did that, but I'm sure I did. Yeah. <laughs> Let us go through certain half-deserted streets, the muttering retreats of restless nights in one-night cheap hotels and sawdust restaurants with oyster shells. Bad artists copy, great artists steal. Um, this game steals. This game yeah. knows what to do. It gets to the heart of it. It's not like, here's here's the exact same rhyme some other poet did. It's like, oh, fuck that. No, I'm going to do everything. I'm just going to nail it. I'm going to make you feel the Iliad. I don't care. It's thousands of years old, and it was good, and I'm going to do it again. But in a way that's just so fun. Ah, it feels good. It feels it, good. It's, yeah, it's so fun just playing this game over and over. I, I did... There's so many side quests and like the white dots, right? The orange dots are the leads that are the main story. All the white dots are the ones that's like, you found a note that's these two people are smoking a hookah together and one person's going to poison another person. Feel free to come back in the evening to find out what the code is to this door to unlock this random weapon that you probably won't want. There's dozens and dozens of those. My dude, we have not even talked about the Mask of the Red Death. We have not even talked about Edgar Allan Poe. That's different than the, the Mask of Red Death of Amontillado. Of the Red Death of Amontillado <laughs> in the Pendulum. <laughs> Yeah, but it's about a party. So I was like, yeah, that's the mask of Casco Montiato. So, so in this game, first off, everyone's wearing masks. It's not really explained why. Like, I'll tell you why. The real answer is not because they wanted to quote Poe, but because then they don't have to animate people's faces. It's yeah. great. That's true. It's super easy. Yeah. But they make a big deal about everyone wears masks, right? So Edgar Allan Poe wrote this story in the 19th century called The Mask of the Red Death. The idea is um, a plague hits the countryside. And this this local rich guy, prince named Prospero, decides to hold a party. He takes all his rich friends, they all go up to his, his castle, and they close the doors. 
No one's in, no one's out. This is it. We're going to ride out the plague in here. And it's a masquerade ball. This is identical. Everyone wears a mask. And we are going to party hard. We are going to party so hard that God himself is embarrassed when he looks at us. It's going to be amazing. The best wine. The best laudanum. The best everything. And here's what I got. I got, um, for the ball, I got seven rooms. Each room has a different kind of stained glass that, like, sheds a different light on the room. Everything is wonderful. There's the blue room, there's the pink room, there's the purple room, all this stuff. It's great, it's hip. And one of the rooms is the red room. And that is maybe my dirtiest joke of all, because as we all know, the red death, the plague that is sweeping the land, is marked by people coughing up blood. And I have made, I have nailed this stained glass where this entire room looks like you are just in a room full of blood. Always. And so he throws his party. Everybody's hanging out, and nobody goes to the red room. Yeah. Right? Gross. Weird. And the clock hits midnight. And then people turn around, and they see someone there. And they're wearing a mask that is not like, you know, a demon or like an angel or like a goofy, like, mythology thing. They're wearing a mask that's made to look like someone that has the plague. And they're wearing this big, thick robe. You can't even see who's under it. And it's... It throws everybody's game off. They're like, they're having a good time. And then all of a sudden, this person shows up. I'm like, that's not... We're like, we're doing a thing where, like, even God is embarrassed. And, like, you're making us embarrassed? Like, it's not cool. So, the clock tolls midnight. And this person, the mask of the Red Death, starts to walk through the crowd. It starts to walk towards Prospero. The the crowd parts. Prospero escapes to room two. To the blue room. And the, the mask of the red death follows the crowd parts. And it just slowly follows him room to room to room until he finally has to go to the only room left, the room that is covered in blood. And when he gets there, he walks forward, and Prospero gets back in the corner. And this person, whoever it is in this mask, walks forward and reaches out their hand to touch him. And the second they do, <gasps> Prospero shows the symptoms of the disease. And in this just miraculous moment, shows forth the disease and falls apart, coughing blood, and dies instantly. The entire course of the two-week disease in a moment. And everyone looks around terrified. And suddenly they, they start to cough. And the last line is, and the mask of the dread death held dominion over all. Nice, that's a good line. Everyone inside dies. Everyone inside. Broke the loop fantastic right and a great one one that i've returned to during the pandemic right we're in a pandemic so is poe he wrote this uh probably when his wife was dying of tuberculosis it's connected to to real disease we want to escape disease but we can't it's not a thing you can do this is something we have learned over the last year and a half you can't escape disease there is no wall to that we try we hide in our houses we wear our masks and i do I try to be safe. I try to be careful, but there is no escape. And that's the real terror is that it's in the air and you cannot escape it. And so there are clues within the game death loop. First off, you know, seven visionaries, right? Uh, everyone's wearing masks, but there's even references to a plague that all of them were fleeing. Yeah. People starting to get sick and it's starting to get scary. And they all 
went to the space. And there's people wondering in their diaries if people even exist outside of this island. Because, not because of like, hey man, does anybody exist outside of my own head, bro? But like, I think maybe everyone is dead, especially if we're not on the first day. If it's, if it's 50 years in, I think everybody might be dead. Because nobody's come here. And they should have, if the world still exists. Right. And so with the ending where you break the loop, the sky is blood red. It's unnatural. Juliana walks up to you. She points a gun at your head. She's going to kill you. And this time, for real, the loop is broken. And in disgust, she puts her gun down and she walks away. Almost with the realization that, you know what's worse for you? Is if you don't die. Go live in what you've created. You ruin the only chance that any of us had. I wish there was more tension and she more explicitly said all of that. And not just like, we can run this place, it'll be great. I'm the, no, not the architect. Archivist. Maybe he was. The archivist, yes, yes. Of this place, which to me is just like the librarian of yeah. Black Reef. Like, I keep track of the notes and I tell its history. But like, Which is how she knew, I think, that Colt was there. Right? She's the one who put it together. Oh, she called him back, you think? After 17 years? Well, no, no, he was already called back. And she got joined in. But she didn't know that her dad was there 17 years ago. Oh, okay. But she was the archivist, so she figured it out. I think it's the reason that she has a memory. It's the reason that she remembers before Colt. Right. Is the fact that she is the archivist. Because she she was, like, granted that responsibility or something by whatever. Each each person was called to do something, right? Charlie made the AI. Mm -hmm. Um, Who was amazing, by the way. What was its name again? Um, Uh, 2-Bit. 2-Bit was great. I wish 2-Bit had a bigger role. 2-Bit's fantastic. 2-Bit's so good. Uh, And the fact that that, uh, Fia... Doesn't understand that Tubit isn't Charlie. Yes. And then right? nobody does. It's like, oh, I re-recorded. I edit, as an audio designer, like editing the audio, I've wanted to do so many times. Every Christmas, I kind of do that a little bit. Yeah. Take take your quotes out of context. Yeah. Uh, but redoing Rearrange that, them. Rearrange make us say them, silly things. It's so fun. Oh, my God. And so, so Tubit is this AI that Charlie creates that um, the way it speaks is through quotes. It, like, rips words out of context and says, there is... Fire, but not be worried. Yeah. Under control, right? And so that's the way that 2-Bit talks. But 2-Bit is a fully-fledged AI. 2-Bit understands its world. In fact, there are not two people, but three people who have a memory on this island. None of the visionaries remember anything except for Julian and Colt. And the third person that remembers the loop is 2-Bit. 2-Bit knows that it's living this loop. And what it's done because of that... That's a cool twist. It flushes 90% of its memory every day so that it can be like everyone else. Yeah. It does that voluntarily. And when you save 2-Bit and you tell 2-Bit it matters and that Charlie doesn't treat it right and you have a real conversation with 2-Bit, 2-Bit says, Colt, you're a good guy and I'm going to remember that. I'm putting that in a special memory bank that will not be deleted. I love that. And that's a, the, the cool twist early on that I was talking about is the idea that you're in a loop, but it's really only the people that are in a loop. The island's not in a loop. The island's no. living every day. So once you figure out pretty early on that you can affect things and they will stay as long as it's not a human, that was really cool. That was kind of a, a fun twist to the old, like, the, the living every day kind of thing. Right. Right. The um, eternal recurrence idea. Which it's, the game is about COVID, right? There's parts of that, but you can tell that it's originally, it's not. It's about environmental collapse. Yeah. 
right? In other words, we keep repeating our own actions, we keep doing the things, and we keep ignoring the effects we have on the environment. And that's a lot of what the game is about. The The environment itself is changing despite the fact that we're... Right, 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 right. All right, what's the drink? What's the song? Let's do it, man. Hey, any, anything else to say about this game? Like, it was great. I love it. I think we've said enough. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> this game's pretty fun. With frustration When I was all done I just had to question What's the beer? What's the song? I can't always tell I just want to know What game is Westy 12? I will go first. My buddy Tyler, who's been on the podcast a couple times. He hasn't, it's been a while. I mean, we need a new Star Wars game to come out for him to come on again. The Dig? Did he do The Dig with us? I think Brent did the dig with us. <laughs> Brent did the dig. That's right. What did Tyler? He did Star Wars. He did uh, whatever the last Star Wars game to come out by Dice was. Oh Not yeah, yeah, that was Dice. Uh, Fall yeah, in order. Fall in order. Jedi fall. They in do order. as they should. Uh, so Tyler, as a neighbor who is a brewmaster at a brewery uh, that we've gone to before, uh, and he, for a reason I'm about to say, I'm not going to tell you what brewery that is, but basically we had a canning machine. Uh, and a bottling machine that in my brewery that I worked at 10 years ago and every day it would break down and you'd get like eight cases that are kind of just ruined and it's just a bunch of bottles that are half full. So what do you do with those? In in Weed, California, you give them hey. to the one guy that works for the brewery that also distills moonshine and he needs whatever sugar water he can get and he takes that and a bunch of like bananas and fruit and throws them in a still yeah. and brings you moonshine the next day. Sugar water, Edgar. Uh, but here in Portland, what you do is apparently you finish the canning line and you take all the half fills, or in this case, like 15 of the 16 ounce can was were full of beer, but partial fills they're called. They're not, they don't pass uh, QA or QC or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and you give them to your neighbor who is Tyler. And so Tyler's just getting cases and cases of these beers that are like 90% full and they're just like one off IPAs. Click it for me. What brewery is this? Which was like Hannah, nice. Hannah and my favorite nice. brewery. It was like our go-to neighborhood brewery. We oh, so that's good. He's the new brewmaster. Hey, listener, you're jealous. Oh, I dude. just want to tell you, if so, you didn't know, you're jealous. Tyler can't drink that much beer. I am his friend. No, no one can. I can't drink can as much beer. Out. Yeah, I'm, I'm helping it Be out. his friend. So this beer, Love him. to me, is the, you know, the, the cans we get, are, they're never labeled because they don't get that far in the process. Right. Uh, they're always delicious beers. Uh, and they just kind of periodically show up, kind of like in a loop. They just kind of like keep reappearing no matter what I do. They keep happening. Uh, but yeah, they're good. Uh, they're always, because they're partial fills, they're maybe not as good as they could be or as good as I dreamed or as good as I liked. It always kind of keeps me wanting a little bit more. Uh, but even in spite of that, enjoyable along the way. How am I going to compete with that? That's pretty good, huh? It worked out. That's fantastic. Nice little metaphor. No, it's it's amazing. Sweet. I chose Elysian Space Dust because oh. it's what I'm drinking right now. <laughs> it's a great beer. Classic. Great beer. Classic Corey pick. Um, it's in my hand. I I can go with uh I can go with nostalgia because you and I. Yeah. Uh, do you remember? Do you remember when we went to Elysian? Uh, MLA conference, January yep. 2011, 2012? 2012. Yeah. 2012. Nice work. Yeah. Dude. Um, I was so in my first sour beer that weekend. Do you remember me emotionally? I don't think about you. Thank you. <laughs> I was no. I don't remember me emotionally that weekend. We had fun. We had beer. It was a real low spot. <laughs> oh, was it? So I went to this conference, the Modern Language Association (MLA). If you ever had to write in MLA format, it's the, these people's fault. Yeah. And I, I was presenting there, which was great. But the real reason I was there was to interview for jobs. 
my, my field every year, they have their interviews at the MLA conference. And so I, the great thing is I got my, my job to pay for me to travel there to interview for other jobs. <laughs> That's dude. Nice. It's the dream, right? That's the dream. But here's the bad part. What if you show up and nobody wants to interview you? I flew from Lexington, Kentucky to Seattle, Washington, and there were no interviews for me. No. And that's why we hung out, and that's why we drank so much. Because I shouldn't have had that free time. And in fact, I didn't realize this till later, but one of my mentors took me out to dinner with someone who probably was hiring. But all I could do is be morose and be like, I don't know. I don't care. Why does anything matter? Who cares about anything? Tough. And I think they were trying to like impress them <laughs> with me. I could not give anything. Dude, uh, now, two months later, I got a job. It worked out. I'm okay. Yeah. But that was a low point. Dude, that's tough. And so Elysian always reminds me of that moment. And of, all right, there's, um, there's an old Zen koan. Man's running along. He's walking along uh, through the forest, and he sees a tiger. And he gets chased by the tiger. And he finally gets chased to the edge of a cliff. And faced with the tiger, he decides to jump off the cliff. He sees a branch down below, and he grabs it on the way down. He's like, oh, I'm safe. He's like, maybe I could climb down this cliff. The tiger's, you know, roaming around up above. And he looks down at the bottom of the cliff. What does he see there but a tiger? Tiger up above, tiger down below. Him hanging onto this thin little branch. And it probably won't hold very long. He looks out on the edge of the branch. At the very end, there's a strawberry. He picks the strawberry, and he tastes it. And it's delicious. Love that koan. Love that koan. I thought this was going to end in like a, there is no. No. There is there's, no there's line. No, what's, the, what's the Cheerio joke? Yeah, there is no line. Uh, there's no punchline. Um, there's no punchline. I mean, that's, that's the gag in some sense in that that's where we are. We're, our lives are constantly between two tigers. We are constantly surrounded by death. It's all around us. We only ever have this moment. And so what do you do? You pick the strawberry and you taste it. You eat it and you enjoy it. It's wonderful. And that was Elysian Space Dust for me. In that dark moment, I didn't have much hope. But you know what? That beer tasted good. And that's enough sometimes. I just remember the uh, registration for that conference was like $120. <laughs> yeah. And so you didn't pay that. I just Googled MLA conference. You did not Google I, I went to the, I se- No, I sent you a picture. Oh, did you send me a picture? a picture? Oh, okay. That would make more sense because yes. I'm sure they change every year. Okay, whatever. I found, yeah. So you sent me a picture of your badge and I just photoshopped a picture of a badge with my name on it and I printed it out and put it in a little lanyard on my chest and walked right in. Worse, you sent it back to me and I printed it off at the Kinko's at the oh, conference. Oh, amazing. I didn't have a printer. It was my, fantastic. Millennial. It was fantastic. We have printers. <laughs> Oh, um, that's good. And uh, and that presentation was later published. Um, one of the, one of the few that happened that way. I you still reference it. Way. Yeah, it was great. great I liked it. Great a little interactive. Yeah. Thing that was cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I was yeah. proud of that one. All right, my song. Please. All right, my song is "Aguas de Marco" by. We get the the names exactly right. Antonio Jobim and Elise Regina, two Brazilian singers. Um, Ben's going to play a bit of that right now for you. Alright, so I first 
ran across this song uh, in an episode of C-Lab 2021 called Aguas de Marco. It's got a character named Marco, so that's seemingly why it it lines up. Uh, But it it means Waters of March. Marso is uh, is March in Brazilian. uh, I'm sorry, in Portuguese. And the song is is wonderful. I, I played the Brazilian version, but to play you to tell you some of the English uh, lyrics, right? So let's let me let me read the opening. So so you heard a bunch of Portuguese there to give you the, the English version because there there was an English version recorded as well. It's actually popular. A stick, a stone. It's the end of the road. It's the rest of the stump. It's a little alone. It's a sliver of glass. It is life, it's the sun, it is night, it is death, it's a trap, it's a gun. But not in the wood, the song of the thrush, the wood of the wand, a cliff, a fall, a scratch, a lump, it's nothing at all. And Tony Jobim was at like his little country house, and it was March, and he recorded the song, he, he wrote the lyrics out. And it's, it's Brazil, which is south of the equator. And the Waters of March is about the journey from summer to winter. It's the end of summer is the idea. Right. It's the water getting cold. It's death uh. creeping towards you. And then it was so popular. because It's a great ditty. It's a duet. It's beautiful. I yeah. love the play. Love the play of the two singers. That he recorded an English version. And he kept the title the same. Waters of March. It should be the Waters of September. Right. But that, that fits for us. We kept Waters of March. Now it's suddenly the song's about rebirth it's right, it's about right. summer coming on because yeah. the actual line is it's the edge of summer right but which way right and that's death loop. nice right it, it could go either way am I dying or am I living right is it, am I Are starting am I every single day right 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 and it yeah. lines up so beautifully but again back to C-Lab 2021 it was this beautiful beautiful moment in C-Lab where the creators of C-Lab went on to do Frisky Dingo, went on to do Archer. They do uh, these wonderful cartoons that are goofy and silly and coarse and all of that, and also incredibly existential and meditative and reflective and emotional. Yeah. And this was one of their first moments doing playing with surrealism, where the episode takes place, and uh, Marco, one of the characters, gets electrocuted, and the rest of the episode is a hallucination. And he imagines he's a fish, having conversations with other fish, and a song plays as part of it. So good. And it's about the cyclical nature of life. It's about whatever life you're in, whether you're a fish, whether you're a person. You know, Life, death, it's all coming at you. And it, it was so beautiful. It was so amazing. And here it is, 2021, a time that at one point felt like the future. And this goofy thing that one fe- at one point felt like it didn't matter, and suddenly makes me cry. It makes me makes me care about these people. Um, it's it's kind of an amazing. Um, Roland Barthes calls it the punctum, the moment, the one thing you hit that, and suddenly everything spirals out. The emotional core of the thing spirals out. If you can hit that one moment, that color, that sound, that whatever, that everything will spiral out of. Then, then that's the piece. That's what makes it. And so, for me, I would say Marco is is the punctum. It's it's the point that that the emotional core spirals out of. Nice, love it, dude. I went with so damn fast. 
No Chicken Noise uh, by Lawrence, who's actually a composer named Clyde Lawrence, and this is his um, kind of this is his band aside from composing. Um, and it is a song I discovered on a random playlist that's sent by like a friend and a friend and a friend, just like one that I happened to land on and been playing in my house for the past few weeks. Landed on this song, really like it. Started going through the lyrics and realized that this applies really well to to kind of Colt's journey throughout. So let me read some of the lyrics. The first verse is, Do you remember when it all began? It seemed impossible we'd ever understand that the day would come when it would all be a memory, but like a little boy's time capsule that's been buried in the ground. So he's just running around in his little time capsule underground, popping up and down. I'm going to do some digging. You're looking for clues. And I'll show you what I found. And ooh, what's done is done. Tomorrow seems so far away, but now I'm praying it won't come. I think skip to the second verse. Um, as the day grows near, what once was exciting slowly fades to fear. And ooh, we've reached that day. I'd once upon a time race for the finish line. Now I only want to stay. Uh, but yeah, the, the chorus is basically just kind of like summing up the fact that he wants to like live in the moment forever and ever and repeat this moment over and over. They used to say nothing ever like your future turns to past I don't believe what I see Cause time flies by me so damn fast That's so good. That's so good. It matches so well. Really, really matches really well when I read that. I mean, the song's been stuck in my head, but I didn't really realize it. And like the words until I started like looking up the lyrics. I was like, oh yeah, that fits pretty dang well. So recommendation station. Let's do it. I have two things. First, The Venture Brothers. It's now on HBO Max. You tried to get me in 10 years ago. Now is the time to get in, Ben. Okay. No, no, Ben, you're wrong. I tried to get you in 20 years ago. Yeah, I think it was. I think you were living in like uh, in Mill Valley at the time. Yeah, it was 2003-ish, 2004. Yeah. And at the time, there were only like eight episodes just replaying on Adult Swim over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah, at 2 a.m. or whatever. And I think you will find that these age both well and poorly, right? They age well in that the theme is about failure. So Adventure Brothers is a show that relives, like, uh, Johnny Quest and, like, old kind of, like, adventure cartoons. And But the idea is that it's it's current day, and these people from the old cartoons have all failed. They've all fallen apart. Right. And it's sad and it's pathetic. And yet there's still supervillains trying to, like, egg them on. But the supervillains are run by some kind of bureaucracy that's like, actually, you're only level three, so you get this shitty villain because you're le- you're a level three guy. Right, right, right. And it's it's kind of beautiful. It's, it's wonderful. It's got um, uh, Patrick Warburton plays this like oh, wow. just overpowered, like immaculate, amazing secret agent guy who, through some misfortune, has been called to be the bodyguard of the broke down mad scientist. Nice. And he's he's constantly going through it. So like like there's there's a great scene in which the the mad scientist sons who think that they are still in the sixties like cool vibe you know mm-hmm. they are Hardy Boys they are very much Hardy Boys right one of them is talking to Brock Sampson who is Patrick Warburton Brock yes. Sampson good name that's a good, good name. name and he's literally sitting on Brock's back while Brock is doing pushups and he's looking through Brock's old tapes and he goes. In through the outdoor, what's that mean? Brock goes, it's Zeppelin. He goes, oh, maybe I should put this one on. He goes, no, nah, reminds me of a chick. Don't play it. I mean, come on, man. Chicks are cool. Don't play it. I don't play that track anymore. It's done. We don't play that album. 
just a great moment where it's like it encapsulates the entire series of Brock Sampson, despite being the, the strongest guy, the most perfect right, right, right. super spy has failed. Yeah. His true love is gone. Something right. is broken and he does not listen to Zeppelin anymore. Yeah. In the way that he used to. Um, and so I started rewatching it. Now it's aged in poor ways in that it's got uh, all kinds of racism, all kinds of uh, ableism, all kinds of things in it because of the things that it's parodying, right? Right. And so it's parodying things from the 60s. And one of the early ones is like a Yellow Peril theme where it's about, you know, a, a kind of Fu Manchu type character. And it's making fun of that, but it's really having it both ways in ways that by the time you get to the, the third and fourth seasons of Venture Brothers have dropped out. They've figured okay. out, like, let's not do right. that anymore. But in the first season, it's riding hard with that. And so it, a lot of parts don't age well, and a lot of parts really do. I, I like Venture Brothers. I'm rewatching it. It's fantastic. All right. The Sweet. other recommendation, real quick, would be The Book of the New Sun by Gene Wolfe. It's a kind of, it feels like a fantasy novel at first. It feels like mm. it's taking place in medieval era. There's like, Maybe some magic or something. But slowly you figure out it's actually t- taking place a million years in the future. Maybe a hundred million. And they remember our time as though it's legends. Yet society has decayed in some right. way. And the thing I love about this book as I'm reading it is there's so many authors I love. From um, George R. R. Martin to Neil Gaiman to Alan Moore. Who have just ripped this novel off completely. The front of the book has Neil Gaiman saying this is the best novel of the 20th century. Wow. And as I'm reading, I was like, I know that word, but I know it because of Neil Gaiman. Wow. Wait, what? And it's like, when did it come out? Uh, in the 80s. 80s oh, wow. to, it was a four volume series. It came out in the 80s into, I think the early 90s was the, the last novel. What's it called? The Book of the New Sun. Okay. And so the, the protagonist, Severian, is a member of the Torturers Guild. And it takes you 50 pages to figure out what this, the Torturer's Guild is. But guess what? It's exactly what you think it is. It's a guild of people who torture other people for the king. Nice. And it's just, I, I really dig it. It's really, really fun. It's such a well-realized world. I'm just having a blast with it. Nice. Uh, not going to say anything profound. I'm just, it's fun. What do you got? Dude, I don't Yeah, school started up with the kids this last month. So um, I'm trying to think of other things I've been doing. Uh, I will say... Uh, exploding kittens shout out to uh hannah's cousin my cousin now ariel where she works for exploding kittens and she sent us a uh a care package today that has the what's the throw don't throw a burrito uh, throw a burrito whatever that game's called what are exploding kittens oh is exploding kittens hold on uh matt inman matthew inman of the oatmeal yeah Yeah. he he it's all his artwork he started the yeah, so he started the game. He, I think he created the game or yep. with, with someone else created the game, Exploding Kittens. And even though he does the oatmeal and it's like, God, it's freaking oatmeal. Yeah. Exploding Kittens is like, you know, 50 to 1 out out um, revenue that or whatever. Yeah. By the way, uh, it's a one of the game. few web comics that has ever made me cry. Like, the oatmeal is amazing. Oh, it's so good. Right, XKCD. What's the one that had like the weird animals in it used to send me all the time? The single pain. Oh, uh, Akewood. Akewood, man. A-C-H-E-W-O-O-D. God, Akewood is good. I started rereading that six months ago. It's fantastic. Uh, what is the game called? Um, yeah, Throw the Burrito. Throw, Throw the Burrito. That's what it's called. Uh, she sent us a care package of that game. It has Exploding Kittens game, a bunch of puzzles and stuff. Um, so shout out to Matthew Inman. Shout out to Cousin Ariel. Thank you so much. So more more stuff for the kids to do on Rainy Portland Days. Uh, we started watching the... Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a little indie show. Um, these 
like up and coming comics are starring it. Martin Short and Steve Martin. Uh, Only Murders in the Building. Really liking that. And yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I think that's kind of the main stuff. And Deathloop have been the main things taken up my time the past few weeks. And halfway through Little Nightmares 2, which will come out in a few weeks as well. All right. Are we done? Where are we? Should we? Uh, are we in? Oh, no, no. Sorry. We do developer spotlight and then Wolf from the News. Yeah, let's do developer spotlight. Do it, man. All right. So this month's developer spotlight is Dan Bernardo, who uh, is the founder of Playtra Games and is now they're working on their first game release called Grid Force, which looks amazing. Uh, but yeah, I sent you the article talking about his interview with Dan and the title is definitely a click clickbait, a click catcher, a click catcher. It's, it's a click catcher. It's the old click catcher. I feel like the title is clickbait, but it's how growing up black and gay in a Brazilian slum made this gaming CEO want to help LGBT plus youth. That one's not clickbait. It's just like a very clear overview of where you're going to get into. Yes. Right. It's like you have distilled this article. Yep. Yeah. That's where we're going. There's a lot of stuff in there going on. And that's basically Perfect. what it is. It's it, Dan in this interview talks about his history growing up in Brazil and how he wasn't when he played games. It was he was always the bad guy as far as people that looked like him and acted like him were always the bad guy in games. And it wasn't until uh, what was the game? Streets of Rage. Streets of Rage, where he actually saw someone who was um, Adam in Streets of Rage, who was a big black guy who was a hero. Uh, they saw someone that looked like him. That was someone that the audience, the I was say the listeners, everything's a podcast. The listeners of the game could could cheer for and they can root for. Uh, and he says, uh, a quote, uh, this is an emotional thing. You feel included. You feel part of the conversation. You don't feel ashamed of what kind of stories are told about you, um, which I think it, it breaks down what representation is. He breaks down what representation is and why it's not just like black people on screen, gay people on screen, women on screen or whatever. It's like not just them being on screen, but minorities being on screen in a way that is realistic and also is and isn't tokenizing and isn't othering. It's where the gay black man is not somebody who worked on the game, but somebody yes. who signs the checks. Yes. And that's a yeah. big difference that he gets to in the interview. Yeah. Right? I wanted this interview to be a lot deeper and a lot longer. It's deep. I wanted to be, I wanted to get into it's, it. It's long, but it, it, it feels like it could go further. It feels like there's more there. I agree. Yeah. Cause he mentions a lot of things. What's the, the other quote? Yeah. He says, um, quote, uh, there's a lot of interest in the industry right now about diversity, but not enough effort to open the doors to these people. So there's a lot of conversation, but very little action, he says. Uh, and what would that action be? Understanding that there's a reason why there are much more qualified white male developers. So not saying stop hiring male developers as much as saying maybe training and giving experience to people that aren't just white male developers. So you will have more qualified people of other beliefs and races and more diverse pool of people to choose from when you're filling these these jobs and the recognition that a black gay brazilian man in a leadership role in a game development studio doesn't change anything in a sense right yeah. that's just yeah. Yeah, 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 one yeah. you don't change even the spotlight on him that we're we're showing doesn't change anything right the change needs to happen on a more fundamental level the structural marginalization the structural oppression exists regardless and that's what he recognizes with that quote of there's a reason why there are much more qualified white male developers. Right. That reason is white supremacist American capitalism. Right? Yeah. Let's put a name to it. Yeah. And until that changes, these other things won't change. There are some things we can do in the meantime about giving more opportunities to marginalized people, but they're not enough. Yeah. They're a very small step. And what needs to happen is a complete overhaul. Yeah. 
And he talks about the fact that this game, he doesn't want it to just be this preachy game that's a textbook to read. He wants right. it, first and foremost, the game is about having fun. That's another quote from him. Yeah. Uh, but he says it's it's not aimed solely at LGBT audience. He wants this to be something that hopefully opens up and is is even something, I think the quote is, I suspect that even white straight audiences will enjoy something new. He wants this to be something that is opening up the door to everyone a little bit, right? Yeah. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to do this for this niche audience or something like that, but it's something that's going to be enjoyable for everyone and everyone will have a different perspective on it and that's a good thing. Uh, and also, they quickly, him and his team quickly decided on that this game was going to be completely female uh, characters. And so what they did right after that was to hire a female writer, female developer, and make sure that that was them telling their stories from their perspective. It wasn't him saying... What would these women be like from my experience? Right. And and by by completely female characters, right? You mean like three? I think there's like 20. 45. 45. 45, yes. right? They went all yeah. in. And yeah, every walk is, of life, every kind of personality. Yeah. yeah. And the quote is, is, all of us had a female, uh, a yeah. very strong female person who taught each one of us messages about perseverance and survival and, and showing a full spectrum of what it means to be a woman. Yeah. Right? about those different people and then playing it out on um, a grid that's reminiscent of the gameplay of Mega Man Battle Network. So if you ever played the Mega Man Battle Net games on GBA, these are great, fun, just like crunchy kind of uh, old games. And you can see it in the screenshots. You can feel that influence, but it feels like they're doing really something really special with the games that used to have like really nice gameplay and really thin story. And they are doing something fun with it. It does look really fun. Yeah. And the, so Grid Force is the name of the game. I'll post the trailer. The trailer looks really cool. And it's not a trailer like, like Deathloop or what was the other game that, that we Redfall. mentioned earlier? Redfall. That are like these insane trailers that are like, have no actual gameplay in them. This right. one is 99% gameplay. It actually shows you what the game is. Uh, and it's really cool. Like it, it does both. It's not just like random cutscenes or anything. So it, it gives you an idea of what the gameplay and it looks really cool. It might be a game we play in the future. And they're, they're partnering with the It Gets Better project. Do you know about Oh, yes. Do you know about of that course. project? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. So this is a, a project aimed at LGBT plus youth. Um, I believe it was started by Dan Savage. Uh, maybe he was just a spokesperson early on. I can't recall exactly. Um, but the idea is if you're a you know, high schooler, if you're a middle schooler, uh and and you're queer this is a project that says it gets better it's not always going to be like this hang in there for just a few more years and you're going to meet people like you you're going to meet people you can connect with uh really trying to get people through those crucial years those those middle school high school years where it can be so difficult before people get to get out on their own and get to meet other people so yeah it's so cool so cool that it uh partners with the it gets better project yeah just a cool project we wanted to shout out on the show for sure uh, month in the news. Month in the news. Month in the news. All right, so we talked a little bit before, but we're kind of rejiggering the schedule. We're doing obviously Death Loop will be our October game. We will do Little Nightmares Two will be our November game. We'll try to push it up into October a little bit so you can have it by Halloween times, uh, the scary time of year. And then we will be doing Psychonauts Two as our December game. Mm. Uh, and then we'll have a little Christmas episode around the twenty fifth. Yeah. Be fun. Uh, also coming out soon, uh, there's a new uh, Sam and Max VR game. I don't know if we've talked about that yet. Uh, hey, there's a new uh, Star Wars game. David Cage, poor David Cage, who never gets any breaks, mm. got a Star Wars game. 
Oh, Dave, no. The official position of Men of Limeral Fiber is that David Cage is an asshole. Um, <laughs> and he's gotten just enough breaks yeah. uh, to be just fine. But he's got a Star Wars game, and I'm cool. not necessarily excited about playing it. But hey, they're making more Star Wars games. That's great, I guess. Uh, so we got rid of a Corey, and we added like an hour to our podcast somehow. So thanks Some for animal. listening this far, uh, if you did. Because uh, Corey keeps it tight. Exactly. Yeah, she just doesn't talk very much. That's the problem with Corey. That's the problem. <laughs> we miss you, Cor. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you in a few weeks. Good luck with Little Nightmares too. Uh, anything else about Deathloop? Play Deathloop. Play Deathloop. That's this is really fun, man. It's really fun. Interesting. I'm interested in this game in six months, a year from now, uh, if it's replayable. If they do fix the leads, not fix, but if they make them a little yeah. more ambiguous or vague and just kind of like don't handhold you through the plot as much. If there's other DLC, you can that's, play that's what I want to say the whole time. That's what I want to say. That'd be interesting. Dishonored Two, Death of the Outsider DLC. People have said like that's the best Dishonored game is that DLC. Prey Moon Crash. People have said the best part of Prey is in that DLC. It's like the refined version. I feel like Deathloop's going to get that. There's so there's the lore is great, man. So there's a lot of places to go. There's going to be a moment in a year or two where it's like. Mm. we're living a flashback in cult life we're living juliana's life before cult wakes up we're living you know whatever it might be but they figure out a place to get us into the story and it's it's gonna be a good dlc i'm excited for it Even the story of like how they all how that black reef got put together there's so much lore in that whole place man just so play as two bit that's it that's all i want play as two bit amazing all right uh as always you can find us on our website at men of lowmoralfiber.com our twitter at molfpod m-o-l-m-f-p-o-d uh, and if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at m-o-l-m-m-p-o-d at gmail.com. Of course, uh, thank you to David Botluck and all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, we really, really appreciate you. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash m-o-l-m-m-f. And as always, I have been Ben. I will be Jason. And I am a mighty pirate. And I can't let this go on any longer. Any longer.